0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game, streaming live on 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's time! It's time! It's time! time! to take a walk on the And get your Saturday started with an inside look Under the Dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game.
1: And welcome everyone to a special, super-sized edition of Under the Dome with CD live as always from the 237 Roof Studios, baby. Hopefully... You're having a great Saturday morning so far, and of course you are, because you're getting ready to enjoy a lot of college football, especially when it comes to the LSU Tigers. It's going to be a lot of fun, and trust me, if there's any reason why you should be listening to 103.7 The Game this Saturday, it is. there's a big reason why. One, because of the fact that, hey, guess what? You get to hear all the great sports talk from 10 a.m. to 12.30. That's that's point number one. Point number two, the fact that we have LSU football right here on 103.7 The Game. 12.30 pregame, 2.30 kickoff. Now, if that's not enough for you to just keep it locked right here on 103.7 The Game, you get also an added bonus. You get Game 6 between the Astros and Yankees, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock first pitch. So more likely than not, you'll segue from... A LSU win into the Astros game numero 6. You'll hear the game number six between the Astros and Yankees. And as I mentioned, the two minute drill. It's expected to be a bullpen affair. Hinch admitted as much, and then you also had Aaron Boone say the same thing. It'll be more of a BP ball game for the for that uh, for this one bullpen game six. And boom, put it simply, the bullpen will step up. The Astros. I'm surprised at that. I'm not going to get to that in a little bit later on in the program, but of course, it's a little after 10 o'clock. want to give you an idea of what happened last night in the world of high school football, especially around the Acadiana area. What happened with our teams that we have here on our family at Delta Media Stations? Week 7, the fastest three minutes. We start off In the open-air Crowdome, it was Spider-Man homecoming. I'm just kidding. It was homecoming night for the Golden Bears taking on the Northside Vikings. And, man, oh, man, Kendrell Williams put the team on his back. Three touchdowns on the night, and this one was just too sweet. It's Lucas and Kendrell Williams now split behind Tavion Falk. Offensive line comes set. Stretch play. Far side. It's Kendrell. Fakes inside to the outside and in for his second touchdown of the night. Kendra Williams, this time the junior strikes from 13 yards away make it 27 0. Karen Crow. But they weren't done yet. They actually had this really cool play. I got to play it again. It is Jaron Royer, typically the place kicker, getting things done on special teams with his speed. A 75 yard return on a kickoff for the touchdown. Brian Winters lined up for what we assume will be an onside kick. Karen Crow does have two men deep, and this one will be a deeper kick it'll be taken i believe that's josiah granger from his own 25 and now past the 40 make it jared royer royer past the 50 the senior past the 30 and jared royer with a house call for a kickoff return how about that how about that indeed the caracal golden bears come away with a 31 to 27 win over the north the north side vikings just a one heck of a performance to say the least for the Cameron Golden Bears. And we move on over to the south side of Louisiana. And they made a little road trip over to, I believe, it, yeah, Sam Houston. And you can take the over on this one. It was a highly contested affair. 66-43 to 43 the final. This is one of the big highlights for the Sharks in a Big 12-esque matchup. And they call for it. Five receivers go out over the middle. Kramer. Kramer from his wing spot. Uncontested touchdown. Once again, Sam Houston Broncos get a 66-43 win over the Southside Sharks. Hopping over to rain at North Vermilion. The Vermilion Parish game of the week. And North Vermilion, the Patriots shut down the Wolves. Sh- and Shutting them out, 27-0. This was one of the big highlights.
2: Patriots are not in a hurry. Gillian's back at quarterback now. Snap to him. Going to run it over
0: right guard. Got a hold to the 10, to the 5, and in for the
3: touchdown. That's the second touchdown of the night. Putting up some big numbers already.
1: What a great performance from North Vermillion. Getting the win. But, of course, everybody else was talking about what's going on with the Turlings Catholic Rebels in the STM Cougars. Cougars losing two straight turlings after losing to carrick the way that they did by the way carrick just looks to be on a absolute tear this year i'm loving it every single second of it but the s tim cougars bounce back in a big way and jack besh hitting the circle button a couple times to help get a touchdown to put him up 14 nothing early
0: and hitting an open receiver 7-0 replaces frederick holstein Kind of a spin move by Jack Bash, and he's into the end zone. Touchdown, St. Thomas Moore, and it's a BCG touchdown from 27 yards out.
1: What a performance from Jack Bash. He is back, and a big reason why they came away with the win. 38-13, your final. St. Thomas Moore gets the win over Turtling's Catholic. That's what happened in week number seven of the 2019 season for several of the Acadian area programs. We frequent here on a Sports Station, especially when you look at what we've got on our family of Delta Media stations. Once again, STM here on 103.7 The Game, the Golden Bears. Ben Love, Blaine are on the call on Z1059. 1063 has you covered for the Vermillion Parish Game of the Week. Southside Sharks, they're going to be on Mustang 1071, and next week's going to be a fun one because on a Thursday night tip, you're going to have Southside and Lafayette High facing off, and this one could very well be Determine who punches a ticket to a playoff berth, and it'd be crazy to see. Honestly, Southside Sharks being able to make the postseason in their first year would be great, but it feels like this is going to be a lot more fun between these two teams. Lafayette I, Minor Lions, Southside Sharks, on the losing side of things a lot once they have entered district play. Both teams look good to start off, getting three wins. Now they just need about one. Maybe two more to pretty much secure a spot in the postseason. That would be huge for either one of these programs because we've seen Lafayette High improve by leaps and bounds compared to what we saw in the la- like the last couple of years because we've had a couple of winless years, and then they turned it around, and it's great to see Rob Poole and company get it done. But this is going to be a fun matchup, to say the least. Southside versus Lafayette High. That's going to be on a Thursday night, and you'll hear both calls on Mustang 107.1 and The Rewind. But outside of that, relatively, you know, there was a lot of there was quite a few blowouts, but of course, the one everybody else was talking about, or it already happened. It was on Thursday night, and you saw LCA do something that hadn't been done in a long, long time. How long? Fifty games. Yes, you heard me right. Fifty games. We hadn't seen at Notre Dame take an L, and it happened on Thursday night. And man, I was impressed to see. I was impressed to see. LCA do that. But then again, should we be surprised? I feel like now they are the true top dogs in Division 3 They're going to wind up playing Notre Dame again down the line. But i got to think that your boy, Louis Cook, is going to be prepping up for that big time because that is probably going to be a huge finish. It's going to be an absolutely... Huge like ball game, be it in the semifinals or in state championship game, wherever that's gonna be played at, mind you, you know you got, yeah, Cajun Field open up now, so that, there's that. You could probably wind up having that done, but of course, there's got to be an agreement. But I feel like that's the biggest thing I feel like is a little frustrating with what's going on with the LHSAA, the select non-select stuff because they haven't. It feels like they should have already kind of like had it set in place of like, oh, hey, this is where we're gonna play. In, in this district, this district, and this district, because there's only four divisions, we're going to play. These four divisions will play at this stadium, or, like, let's say two and, two and three would play at Cajun Field. Four and one would play at this other venue because it makes sense geographically because it just feels like these two teams are going to make the run towards the postseason. Again, I'm not part of these conversations, but it's something worth talking about that there's no real, like, Plan A in place. At this point in time, of course. At this point in time. But hopefully, you know, we see these two teams face off again in terms of LCA and Notre Dame, because that is going to be an absolute barn burner. And I hope it's in the semifinals. I would not mind that one bit. That being said, we're gonna kinda flip things over in just a little bit. Gonna take a quick time out, timeout on the floor, and when we come back, I got a whole lot more to talk about. And of course I think we need to talk about what's causing all this and that is what's going on with Zion Williamson he is out for a number of weeks but they look pretty good in their final preseason game we give my thoughts on that and a whole lot more because hey that's how I do things we're gonna go ahead and take that commercial break and be back with more right here on 103.7 the game
0: famous cd is a five-tool player of sports talk he can talk about a lot of different things even some soccer fuel manchester united schools sing the manchester united song okay maybe not soccer back to under the dome on 1037 the game
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with the CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Hopefully, you're having a great Saturday morning so far, but I'll be a little, uh, just a wee bit of a downer when it comes to Zion Williamson. The news came out yesterday. He is going to be out for several weeks due to a knee injury, and it's definitely not a great look for the rookie, to be out for several weeks, especially at the beginning of the season. Yes, it's an 82-game stretch. It's a grind, but it's still a little bit frustrating, to me at least, when it comes to seeing all the capabilities that you know that a guy like Zion Williamson has, and it feels like now we're sitting here talking about a possible missed opportunity to have Zion Williamson ready to go, especially against the slate of opponents you have right out the gate when you just look at the Pels' schedule. Of course, you open up with the Raptors, a young but still sort of contender Dallas Mavericks team. You have the Houston Rockets and their new look. You got the Golden State Warriors. You've got the Denver Nuggets, the Oklahoma City Thunder, whoever is on that team now. I have no idea off the top of my head. But still, all the team, all the players on that, all the teams that are on that opening six-game slate, up until November second. That's where I'm kinda of putting the cutoff date at because I feel like after that you wind up probably seeing my uh, Zion return to action before long. But it's frustrating, you know, to see Zion Williamson be out for several weeks of the twenty nineteen season. Especially when you look at the teams they're gonna wind up playing. The Raptors, yes, they with they, their Sans Kawhi Leonard, but you can about imagine they'd still kind of cause a little bit of a nuisance. You're gonna wind up having to see Nikhil Alexander Walker be a big name. To step up in that aspect, but it looks like we got somebody in the Arco Equipment Hotline. By the way, the Arco Equipment Hotline is open three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. I've got Steve Lison coming on at ten thirty, and then I've got Ross Jackson to talk a little Saints at eleven thirty. We're gonna get to that Arco Equipment Hotline right now. No idea who it is, so we're gonna go and get to it. What's your name, man? Okay, we get him, uh, Mr. and I think I know exactly who that was. So I'm gonna make sure to text him and yell at him for just a quick minute. But anyways, that being said. Alvin Gentry actually talked about it last night after their preseason finale where they looked really, really good. They wound up getting a win late in the ball game, And Alvin Gentry talked about not worried for Zion Williamson in his long-term health and being able to miss out on him for, I'm going to throw it out there hypothetically, a month, but it feels like he'd probably be like two or three weeks. He's a smart enough player that he, I mean, whenever he comes back, he's going to be fine. You know, so I don't see, you know, him falling behind in a situation where, you know, now all of a sudden he's got all of this makeup to do. So he'll be fine. It's a pretty simple system anyway. And they also said he's, they're going to make do without Zion, which is an interesting statement to say the least.
4: I think it's something that may happened in the San Antonio game, but, you know, that's that's basically, you know, all I know about it. So we got good depth, so this will be an opportunity for us to play guys and, and play uh, different lineups that we hadn't really played.
1: They've got a lot of good depth. I'm not going to lie. They've got a lot of really good depth up and down that roster, more so than other years. Of course, I mean, Nico Lamelli, he's, he's a weird player. I was talking with Lewis about it off air yesterday. Nicola Melli, not exactly the best, but still, you wind up looking at what you have, potential starting five. I think you put Nikhil Alexander Walker in there. You've got all these players. You've got a lot of great talent around, and I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. Looks like we're going to try again on the Arco equipment hotline. Not going to waste time to get to him. What's your name, man? Hello. Hey, 1037 the game. What's going on, man? You're on, under the dome. What's up?
4: So I just wanted to remind you that there's another t- area team in, in Youngfield, Ascension Episcopal, yep. and you failed to, to give us that score on your last update.
1: Okay, I apologize, but I'll give, I'll give it to you all in just one second, my man. Thank you. Okay. All right, it looks like a little kind of quick update. Mind you, I usually try and hit up a lot of the things involving the Delta Media Delta Media area teams I apologize for missing out on Ascension Episcopal in their ballgame. And last night, they took down Christian 62-7. to But also, friendly reminder, hey, make sure you listen in after all your high school football is said and done, and more importantly, STM is done, and you listen in to the Football Night in Acadiana post-game show right here on 103.7 The Game. I'll give you every single score in the Acadiana area. Trust me, there's so many programs now that are in the Acadiana area and Acadiana area adjacent. When you just look at all the districting and all the new redistricting, it's very much a lot to get to, so I try and just hit up all the programs that we air on Adult Delta Media Family and Stations, but hey, guess what? On the bright side, you can also check out 1037thegame.com for scores and a whole lot more. That's how you do things here, but going back to the Pelicans talk real quick, it's it's a weird place to be right now if you're, if you're a Pelicans fan. You want to see this team succeed, and now you've lost your top star, and that's going to wind up hurting the the bottom line when you just look at everything that the New Orleans Pelicans have tried to build up over the last few years. When you look at what the Pelicans have done in the last, let's say, three to four years, they have started to really they they started to build a little bit of hope. They started to build a little bit of hope, especially in that twenty sixteen twenty seventeen season, where they made a little bit of a run in the postseason. I think we wind up talking about the Pelicans starting to make a consistent run every single year and coming up just a little bit short, maybe the first year with Zion Williamson, with Nikhil Alexander Walker, with this new management in place. I think they want to maybe getting towards like a nine or ten, nine or ninth or tenth in the Western Conference, and then they just barely miss out when it comes to the NBA playoffs and I would love to see him in it, but it just feels like right now with everything that you look at the Western Conference because that place is just an absolute battlefield it's going to cannibalize itself a lot like what we've seen maybe with the SEC and all these other like power programs in college football the more more of the same could happen in the NBA because I think obviously I bring it up again the first six games on the 2019 schedule the Raptors the Pelicans, the Mavericks, excuse me, the Rockets, the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Thunder. And then things dip down just a little bit with them. Uh, I mean, Brooklyn Nets got a whole lot of new talent around them, but I still feel like they're they're going to be kind of feeling things out. So you can wind up taking a win away from them. And then you go back to the Raptors and then the Hornets. It's, it's like the first like two or three weeks of the season up until November the 9th. That's a tough schedule with or without Zion Williamson. Let's not let's not kid each other. Get ourselves. You know the season with the defending NBA champs on Tuesday night on TNT. Now TNT is probably like, oh man, we got to deal with this. And of course, I think everybody who's anybody has been talking about the fact that you know maybe Zion Williamson needs to lose a little bit of that weight to where he'd be able to handle himself and not have to deal with these knee injuries because he had a little knee soreness after the. October 13th game against the San Antonio Spurs and missed action wound up coming back in a big way. And I love what I saw from him in the preseason. Obviously, Summer League, he got injured one game, and then they shut him down for the whole Summer League, as they should have. They really showed they don't need him in that sense. They need him healthy for whenever you get that postseason run. It's a tough break for him. It's a tough break for The franchise but again I talked about Nikhil Alexander Walker he's undoubtedly the guy that you want to look at and say hey he's going to get things done for the Pels and that is averaging 15.4 points in about 18 and a half minutes you heard me right that is pretty decent averages in the preseason and most importantly 5 and 0 Alexander Walker averaged and led the NBA in preseason points per game for players averaging less than 19 minutes with at least two games played, and NAW has been a guy everybody's been kind of putting under the radar. And now that it's Nikhil Alexander Walker time, he's going to be really eating probably in the regular season alongside. I feel like Drew Holiday. You know, i up having a lot of talent around the around the program, and it's going to be fun to see what happens with LSU in the not too distant future. And the Pelicans are going to be a team that's going to be just outside of the Western Conference playoffs. As I mentioned earlier, we got a couple guests coming up on the program today. 10.30, we'll have Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, coming aboard the program to talk a little college football. And trust me, there's a lot of things to talk about. Last week after we got off the air, we saw what happened in Georgia, South Carolina, a wild one where Georgia somehow comes loses in double overtime. The man himself, Rodrigo Blankenship, missing a field goal at the end of that. A tough break, and then we go over at 11.30, Talk with a guy at Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered Locked on Saints podcast, to talk about the Saints-Bears matchup, what happened last week with the Jags, and more importantly, what's the game plan for the Saints when it comes to Life Sands, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, and, of course, Jared Cook. We'll take a quick timeout on the floor, and when we come back... We'll keep the conversation going, talk with Steve Lassen, Well, college football action course. We'll kind of talk a little bit about LSU as well. Don't forget, 1230, the pregame show for the LSU Tigers taking on those Mississippi State Bulldogs in Stark Vegas. We'll be back after this on 103.7 the Game. <laughs>
0: The numbers don't lie because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. Now let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk. It's fat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 the Game. Get-
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with the CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037 com Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, presented by Lafayette Roofing. And now we're going to flip things over, talk to a little high school football, talk some college hoops. But guess what? Now we're going to go over to our co-equipment hotline to we'll talk with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, a little college football on a Saturday morning. Oh my goodness, what a wild week we had last week. Steve, what's going on, brother?
2: Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. I am looking forward to hopefully a good slate of games this week. It's kind of hard to believe we've hit week eight. But, uh, hey, from here, the games and the the implications only get bigger.
1: The implications only get bigger. But, of course, I think no game had more implications last week than what we saw with the Georgia-South Carolina game. South Carolina pulling off an upset of all upsets, Jake Fromm, three interceptions in that ball game, But Rodrigo Blankenship definitely bore the weight when it comes down to it because he wound up missing a field goal in double overtime to kind of seal the deal for those Gamecocks. What do you say about how huge that was in terms of creating just a little bit of chaos? Yeah, it
2: was huge because for the most part this season, we've had a very kind of chalky start to the season. Not a lot of upsets. The favorites had won. The favorites had won convincingly. It looked like the top six was going to be the top six until we got uh, to November. But for Georgia, you know, this was a team that entered the season with question marks at receiver and offensive coordinator, and it caught up to them last Saturday. South Carolina did just enough to slow down that running game, and then on the outside, their cornerbacks did an outstanding job slowing down those Georgia receivers, which, of course, forced Jake Fromm to kind of force some passes in there. And he had probably his worst game as Georgia's starting quarterback. So really kind of creating that chaos. It opens the door probably a little bit more now for Florida. Hurts Georgia's playoff chances, um, but they're still alive. But certainly in terms of kind of shaking things up, that was the first game we've had this season that really did that.
1: And then I have to agree with you. Definitely has is that game that's shaking things up just a little bit, one of opening up an opportunity for LSU to get into that top three conversation. Number two in the AP poll, three in the Amway Coaches poll. It just seems like right now it's we're we're destined to have a game of the century. Part two be at two thirty. Do you think? Isn't that weird to think that you have that kind of marquee of a matchup be at two thirty in the afternoon?
2: It is a little strange. You know, I'm used to seeing in college football the trend of big matchups are always at night. Um, But I will not complain about it being early uh, just because I think we're going to be in for a fantastic matchup between LSU and Alabama. You're right. It will be number one versus number two. And this time it's going to play out much differently than the defensive slugfest that we saw in Tuscaloosa a couple years ago, with the way these two teams are playing offensively and the kind of question marks that both teams have had this year on defense, it's going to be, I think, a fairly high-scoring game. So I know we've got to get through the next few weeks, and LSU's got to get past Mississippi State and Auburn and all that. I mean, I think we're headed for number one versus number two. We don't, don't want to look ahead and get past anything, but, man, it should be an awesome matchup when we get there.
1: I can't wait to see it. Steve because it's going to be amazing what's going to happen in the next few weeks what hopefully of course we're talking about this is like three four weeks down the road while we've still got the L, the LSU Mississippi State game later on tonight or this afternoon then you've got the Auburn game next week I feel like the Auburn game is gonna be a lot more competitive than the Mississippi State game but we're putting the cart before the horse let's look at some of the matchups from this week especially the early matchups that are coming up in about 20 minutes and we'll start things off with West Virginia traveling to number five, Oklahoma. Oklahoma looking really good against the Texas Longhorns last week, kind of avenging what happened last year between the two teams. Oklahoma feels like they're starting to make a really strong case for the CFP again.
2: They really are. And watching that game last Saturday against Texas, kind of a scary thought for the rest of college football. We know Oklahoma can score points; their offense is dynamic. But the big question has been on defense. And last week, maybe one of the maybe the most impressive defense uh, defensive effort that Oklahoma has had since Lincoln Riley took over. They completely shut down Texas. Nine sacks. I mean, they dominated the line of scrimmage. They didn't give up much in the passing game. It was really kind of an all around good performance for Lincoln Riley's team. I mean, you look at the scoreboard, Oklahoma one by seven. It was in just total domination from start to finish. So this Oklahoma team, I think we went into the season knowing the question marks on defense. I think they've answered them. And I think they're pretty comfortably one of the favorites to make the playoff. As you mentioned, they still have some hurdles to cross. They have to play Baylor. They have to play Iowa state, potentially Texas again in the big 12 championship game. But much like, I think, Alabama and LSU, they should keep rolling until that point. And that starts today with West Virginia. They should win this one pretty
1: easily. Let's talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. And there's another big 11 a.m. ball game that is between Clemson and Louisville. Number third ranked Clemson Tigers have looked good. But mind you, they've definitely had some nail biters to say the least. My question to you is, Steve, when you just look at the Clemson Tigers in this Louisville game, Dabo Swinney talked about it before the game, saying that they're not they're not overlooking a Louisville Cardinals program that has shown himself to be maybe a little bit better in the first year. Scott Satterfield, new head coach over there, they've definitely shown signs of being a resurgent program post-Lamar Jackson now. What can you say about this matchup at 11 a.m.?
2: Yeah, Louisville is much improved this season, and it goes back to the hire of Scott Satterfield. I mean, both sides of the ball have made drastic improvement. Louisville might be one of the most improved teams in the nation as we hit the halfway point of the season. That being said, they still have a tough obstacle here. Clemson last week against Florida State, just total domination on both sides of the ball. And it looks like the bye week kind of re-energized this Clemson offense. Trevor Lawrence looked sharp last week. Travis Etienne was back to kind of his normal kind of big plays uh, and all of that on the ground. So, sure, Louisville has improved, but I still think Clemson wins this game, and I think they win pretty easily. Louisville a little bit banged up on offense at quarterback two, so that'll be something to watch. But certainly, you go on the road in conference play, crazy things can happen. But still tough for me to see Clemson having to slip up kind of like they did against North Carolina and playing with kind of a sluggish performance.
1: Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports, and I got I got just got to get your thoughts on this, Steve, because I'm a big Pac-12 After Dark kind of guy. It's a perfect way to kind of end a Saturday chock full of football. And it's number 12 Oregon, number 25 Washington, but it's with a twist. This isn't a Pac-12 After Dark game. This is a Pac-12 like mid afternoon, two thirty game. Is this a crime against humanity to have Pac-12 games not be like a nine o'clock hour in like Central Time?
2: Absolutely. I'm with you. I am a Pac-12 After Dark fan. I love the kind of crazy matchups. We've already had the Washington State UCLA game a couple weeks ago uh, that was kind of the true epitome of Pac-12 After Dark. But this game is, is crucial for both teams. I mean, Washington has stumbled twice. Oregon, I think keeping alive the Pac-12 faint playoff hopes, and they need a win at Washington to stay in the mix. Both of these teams are good on defense, so it's, it's not going to be a very Pac 12 like game. I think it'll be a lower scoring uh, matchup, which kind of like we maybe that's better because maybe that doesn't fit the high scoring Pac 12 afterthought. We need one of those crazy kind of high scoring games to fit.
1: We really need it, and I think obviously ABC would love to have that considering the competition they're up against. Whenever you look at CBS, the next, seemingly, we talked about it, three out of the next four weeks, LSU is going to be featured in the. Marquee two thirty SEC on CBS game. We started off with LSU taking on Mississippi State, and you know I think one of the big headlines that's taking away from the ball game, and we'll get to that right now, is the rumor and innuendo surrounding one man and one man only—that's Joe Moorhead, second year head coach at Mississippi State, now apparently being tied with a Rutgers gig. My question to you is, Steve, do you expect Joe? Do you think Joe Moorhead would take the offer? If it was offered to him, of course, we don't know if it actually is. It's just rumor in your window at this point.
2: That's a great question. It certainly seems like the Moorhead-Mississippi State kind of pairing hasn't worked out um, like all parties expected. So, you know, it does seem like there is some interest. I mean, he was on Feinbaum yesterday afternoon and didn't really answer the question that he would be at Mississippi State. So, you know, I think this is something that we're going to have to watch because, Rutgers is kind of home for Joe Moorhead and he might fit a little bit better in the big 10 East. And not to mention um, looking ahead at Mississippi state for next season, I'm not sure they're going to be drastically better uh, either. So I, I think certainly I think if you're Mississippi state, I think you have to be worried that Joe Moorhead would leave. He came to Mississippi state with a lot of hype, hasn't quite lived up to that offensively. The defense has taken a step back this year. So it is a really interesting uh, scenario. Rutgers is a really tough job, but at the same time, it is home, and it would be a fresh start for him. So I think there there might be some legitimate interest between these two parties.
1: And you'd also think when you look at, uh, obviously, Joe Moorhead, he would wind up being in a lot more, a lot less of a high pressure situation because, of course, Dan Mullen completely turned around the Mississippi State program, made that job a lot more sexy. And trust me, you need to do a lot to make a job in Starkville, Mississippi sexy. But he's done a great job to turn this program around in terms of Dan Mullen. And then he moves on to Florida, Joe Moorhead having to take that over. I feel like if he winds up taking over the Rutgers program, there's not quite as much pressure to be towards the top, because, of course, Rutgers not necessarily always in that conversation of being in the Big Ten title game.
2: No, that's a great point. If you're the head coach at Rutgers, if you go 6-6 six and six, two years in a row, you probably get a contract extension. Yep. You go 6-6 six and six at Mississippi State, you might get fired. I mean, Mississippi State is a tough job. It's the toughest job in the SEC West. But Dan Mullen elevated this program. They've been a consistent bowl Last year's team had so much talent on defense. I mean, three first round draft picks, they ranked near the top of the nation in scoring defense, and they kind of squandered it, finishing eight and five. And this year, you know, just getting to a bowl game is probably going to be kind of the high watermark for this team this year. So, certainly, if you go to a place like Rutgers, where the job certainly is tough, but if you win five, six games a year, and you can kind of carve out a bowl game and maybe a seven, eight win finish every now and then, um, you know they might build a statue of Joe Morehead, uh, you know, because Greg Schiano did some good things at Rutgers, but it wasn't like Rutgers had gone to you know BCS bowl after BCS bowl there. I
1: have to agree with you, and Steve. One more before I let you go because I want to flip over and go back to Thursday night. The Cajuns get a big win kind of changing the trend of this series because it felt like for a, long, for a long while it had been whoever was the home team came away with the win, but the Cajuns get it done and now only have two blemishes on their record. Keep in mind, Steve, this is just me saying it. I said it before the season that the Cajuns would go 9-3. and three. Am I crazy, or is this starting to become more and more likely with five games left on the, on the, on the schedule? I think
2: you're right. I mean, I think this team has an excellent opportunity to win out. Um, Certainly, you know, kind of as we mentioned, you get into conference play and strange things can happen. But I really think this team can win out and set up the rematch against Appalachian State. I mean, I like the way that, you know, as always, the ground game for Louisiana keeps going and Levi Lewis has been efficient. But you also look at that defense. I mean, the, the Cajuns are, are near the top of the Sunbelt in defense, and that's a big time switch over the last couple of years. So this has become a much more complete all around team for Billy Napier. And I think just kind of looking at what Thursday night's win win meant, you know, Arkansas State's already got a couple losses in Sunbelt play. Looking ahead, Louisiana still has to play ULM. As long as they beat them, uh, you know, I think the Cajun's gonna set up that rematch for the you know, second time, second year in a row against Appalachian State. So this this clearly looks like the best team to me in that division and I think they will be in the Sun Belt Championship game here in a few
1: weeks. Steve, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week.
2: Hey, sounds great. Look forward to it. Enjoy the games today.
1: Uh, I definitely will, Steve, especially that lsu Mississippi State game, which you can hear right here on Acadiana's Sports Station. And also a friendly reminder by the way. Make sure you enter in for a chance to win those Astros World Series tickets game one and game two. Of course, they got to win it, but they're one win away. And I think like they've got an excellent chance to do so. If not tonight, tomorrow night, because you know that then your hand's tied. I think you got to go with Garrett Cole, baby, in game number seven to avoid having a almost catastrophic Golden State Warriors esque loss, but all you got to do is text "take it back" to six eight six eight three. That's "take it back" to six eight six eight three to enter in for a chance to win World Series tickets to Game One or Game Two at Minute Maid Park. Once again, take it back to six eight six eight three. We'll be back with more. We we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with more after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com.
0: The New Orleans Saints will travel to the Windy City this Sunday looking to improve to 6 and 1 on the season when they take on the defending NFC North champion Chicago Bears. You can join Ben Love as he will be hosting a 1037 the game Saints watch party at Twin Peaks on Johnston this Sunday from 3 to 6 as the Saints travel to Chicago to take on the Bears. Ah, Bears. So make sure to help Ben cheer on the Saints to a victory, take home some Saints swag, and make sure to enjoy the eats, drinks and scenic views of Twin Peaks. Every time CD takes the mic is like a box of chocolates.
2: You never know what you're going to get.
0: Now let's get back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. The pitch is lined deep to right field down the line. She is gone. It hit the foul pole. It climbed off the foul pole.
1: It's a three-run home run, and the Yankees take a
4: 4-1 lead.
1: Wow, that that four-run home run changed the story entirely. Three-run Jack off the foul pole in the bottom of the first Really turned the whole story around. I believe they all all the runs were scored like in the first few innings. And my goodness, Aaron Hicks gets it done. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Of course, we just have to talk about what happened between the two teams, the, the Astros and the Yankees. One heck of a storyline just looking all around at what's going on with the ALCS. Of course, everybody was talking the other day about how the Astros were allegedly whistling and predicting the pitches or or whatever the hell it was called because I I can't remember exactly how the New York Yankees kind of construed things because, honestly, it's a joke what was going on with the New York Yankees complaining about that because, honestly, how do you know, how do you know that they were doing that. And I love how AJ Hinch handled it the other day. And I feel like just playing it again, because it is absolutely fantastic. And I, I just love playing it,
0: man. I'm glad you asked that question. And I thought it would come up today. Um, you know, when I get contacted about, um, some questions about whistling, it made me laugh. Um, because it's ridiculous, and and had I known that that it would take something like that to, to to set off the Yankees or any other team, we would have practiced it in spring training, and we would have got you know because it's it's you know it, it apparently works when it doesn't happen.
1: The best part about all that is they were complaining about this during Game One of the ALCS whenever the Astros got shut out. So it's safe to say that mean the plan that they think they were trying to pull the, the trick. They were trying to pull. It did not work. So why? Oh, why were they complaining about that? I don't know, but it's just the most frustrating thing I have ever heard to talk about the fact that the, it's still funny to me. The fact that they wanted to complain about the whistling whenever it didn't affect anything in the actual game. But of course the Yankees are more than happy three and two, yes, you hear me right. Three and two. It's a three-two lead for the Astros now. Heading into a game where it's going to be a bullpen battle, both sides. According to Baseball Reference, it is currently Taco Bell Anderson for both teams. I wouldn't be surprised if Jose Urquidy gets the start. He's not going to be an opener because the guy hasn't been used all that much in the postseason. I could see him being a guy that goes. At most, four innings. If it's Wade Miley, he's not going to make it past the first inning. So I think is going to keep control of this game and, and start establishing a pace. That's the most important part of this entire matchup is establishing, wait for it, pace. There's pacing in baseball and establishing it. That way you don't have to worry about using your bridge guy because, again, it's going to be a bullpen game. It's going to be a long one. It's going to be a grind. And hopefully... The Astros can get the win because if you go to Game Seven, I I feel like you're going to wind up having a hard time against the Washington Nationals, who are red hot. And more importantly, they'll be well rested after sweeping. I can't. I still can't believe they swept the St. Louis Cardinals. This could be a fun World Series. Whoever makes it out of the ALCS, and we'll find out either tonight or Sunday. And you'll hear both games right here on 103.7 the Game. The only game involving a local or local adjacent team is the Saints-Bears over here on 103.7 the Game due to regulations. Let's just put it that way. But I appreciate Steve Lassen coming on. What a great first hour. Hour number two coming up next. And boy, oh boy, have we got a good hour number two for you. And a super size edition of Under the Dome. It goes on from now... Till twelve thirty. Be back after this on one oh three seven the game you're listening to Under the Dome.
0: Played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 the game. Streaming live on 1037theGame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7 The Game.
1: And welcome everyone to the must listen to sports talk show in all of Acadiana on Saturday mornings under the dome with CD back at it. Hour number two and we're getting... Things started off right. Getting ready to enjoy a great weekend of college football. Yes, you heard me right. College football. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen this weekend. Obviously, starting things off with those LSU Tigers and Mississippi State. It feels like LSU is going to roll past Mississippi State. I would not be surprised. Let me just say that much. But of course, it's the eleven o'clock hour. College football—it's getting underway. So why not give you an idea of what's on tap right about now on this wonderful October weekend?
0: The weekend is finally upon us. Oh
4: hell yeah!
0: Pull up a bar stool and let's get you informed about what's on tap right now.
1: And of course, we gotta start things off talking about what's causing all of this and why the show's a super-sized edition of it under the dome for three of the next four weeks will be on the air till twelve thirty, at least presumably, of course, because it feels like LSU Alabama will be a two thirty kickoff. And we'll see. We'll get the official announcement probably the next couple of weeks. But of course, we start off with LSU Mississippi State, a fun ball game, not quite as interesting as what we saw last weekend between LSU and Florida, but still it's going to be something that you need to talk about and look at in terms of a marquee game because of the fact that it's in Starkville. I brought up during the interview with Steve Lassen about the fact that when the Cajuns and Arkansas State faced off, it felt like the Red Wolves were the favorite, not just because of the fact that they looked all, they've always had the Cajuns' number when it comes to the series between those two. Whenever it heads over to Jonesboro, but it's the fact that maybe, just maybe, they've always been a little bit better. And Blake Anderson has really kind of got things done. You look at the series the last couple of years; it's been back and forth inside Starkville, 2016, 2017, and 2018. Last three years, and hell, a couple of years before that, the only got time. In recent memory that Mississippi State beat LSU at home or at, in Baton Rouge in Tiger Stadium was back in 2014. The last three games have kind of switched things back and forth. I feel like that trend gets changed just a little bit and we see LSU get a win on the road in Stark Vegas, which would be absolutely huge because of the fact that they win a game they need to. They need to get this win And I think it's going to be a lopsided one because of the fact that you have a relative young pup going at it for Mississippi State, the starting quarterback. It's not Tommy Stevens, he's been dealing with a lot of those injuries, so you're going to wind up having a relative young blood in that building, getting things done, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. And, of course, the other overarching storyline on all this is what's going on with the man himself, and we're talking about Joe Moorhead, the man on top, and in the rumors of him going to Rutgers. There's a lot of rumor and innuendo going on around that as well. But Joe Moore, but I was going, talking about the quarterback Garrett Schrader, the freshman for the Bulldogs getting the start, and Joe Moorhead talked a little bit about his quarterback.
4: Yeah, I, I, I I've kind of had it in my head, you know the past three years that he was going to be a guy that's going to be able to lead whatever program he goes to the great things and I think from the you know time he stepped on the field in the helicopter run you know to everything that he does on a daily basis in terms of competitiveness and preparation and quite frankly performance has earned the respect of his teammates and you know I'm sure a lot of the question was asked based on you know, how Tommy played in the first half and Garrett came in came in and moved the ball a little bit why didn't why didn't Garrett start and, and as you saw from him like throughout the course of the week, you know, neither were completely healthy, but Tommy was more healthy. And uh, you know, Garrett progresses as the week went along, and had the conversations with him on Thursday or Friday where he was at. And then by the time we got to Saturday, you know, he felt good that he could go. But it hadn't been that case necessarily, uh, you know, leading up to leading up to that during the week.
1: And again, Garrett Trader going to be getting the start for those Bulldogs. It's our Vegas the fact, and the fact that you don't have as much firepower. On the defensive side of the football, I'm going to go with LSU, a dominant win over Mississippi State. I'll give you more thoughts on the game later on the program because I've got a supersized edition. I'll pick my spots and talk about that a little bit later on. But the other game I think many should be keeping an eye on is what's going on later in the evening. I think without a doubt a marquee game is Michigan-Penn state Number seven, Penn State taking on number 16, Michigan. We talk about Harbaugh, hot seat. I think this game won't necessarily be the one to put him over the top and put him in that hot seat city. I think we see maybe one of these other games as a reason why he's no longer the head coach of the Wolverines. The Nittany Lions have been on a roll this year, and it's great to see and to be inside of Beaver Stadium. Cannot wait to see those two teams square off prime time 630 kick that's one you need to watch but of course other things on tap this weekend it's without a doubt the fact that you've got the alcs game six and potentially game seven i don't know why you you didn't go ahead and go with garrett cole baby in game number six you went with the bullpen approach you went with the scared money don't make money approach so to be interesting to see what happens tonight can the bullpen that's been good throughout the postseason? Continue that in a Jack-slash-Johnny-Holstaff approach against a Yankees team that's possibly going to have Giancarlo Stanton. I'm, call- I'm not calling him Mike right now because he's actually doing pretty darn good. If he would just say healthy, I think he turned things around for this team. But right here, right now, I'm telling you that it's going to be a Game 7. We'll see it on Sunday night. And then... We see Garrett Cole really try and secure the bag and play as hard as he can because he's going to bring that heat. And, of course, the other game that everybody is going to be talking about is Saints-Bears, Saints without Kamara, Saints without Cook, Saints without Breeze. What is going to happen? It feels like the bat- like Sean Payton's back is up, up against the wall right now. After winning 4th Street, can they keep the big Mo going without him? Who's going to have to step up? What's going to happen on the defensive side of the football? Is it going to be low scoring? A lot of like what we saw last weekend against those Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to give my, more of my thoughts in the next segment about how the Saints are seemingly ankle locked and they lost two of their star players. It's going to be a really fun next couple days. I feel like this weekend more than others, there's just so much intrigue. Of course, you got the NBA season going to be starting up in a few days on Tuesday night when the Pels open it up against the defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors, Zion Williamson, out for several weeks. If the Saints win, I feel like the Bourbon Street Blues won't necessarily be as apparent. I feel like the Bourbon Street Blues will be nearly as bad because if they lose this one, especially with Alvin Kamara out and if that's a high ankle sprain like some people are saying, that could be a up He'll climb to say the least. The Artco Equipment Hotline, it is open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. If you want to talk about anything and everything involving Saints, Pels, Cajuns, LSU, whatever you want to get in on, call us up on the Artco Equipment Hotline. That way we can get you on the air. Maybe you got some takes that we want to hear. We'll go ahead and take a quick timeout. On the floor. Be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on a and a Sports Station 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com.
0: From the Preps, I gave it a, uh, a 10. A ten. to the pros on one. and everywhere in between. Let's get back under the dome with the world famous CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios, bringing you the heat on Acadiana Sports Station. Why the heck not? I'm looking forward to talking with Ross Jackson in the next segment a little bit about those New Orleans Saints. And I talked about the Bourbon Street Blues, and my goodness, the last 24 hours have been a rough one for hands of the Crescent City franchises that we frequent here of course you got the New Orleans Saints Alvin Kamara you've got Jared Cook Drew Brees still out Traquan Smith still out Trey Hendrickson still out mind you I think he might be out for the year after that neck injury that being said you have also got Zion Williamson and you know it's just ridiculous like it I don't know when it's going to end. And it's just got me in a little bit of a funk right now because I know that the Saints are probably going to wind up losing this Sunday in a highly contested ball game. but it's still going to be, I feel like it could be a loss, largely because of the fact, not as much a trap game, but it's more so the fact that you don't have your weapons. You have shown, hey, without your weapons, namely one Alva the the team goes in one direction. It winds up being more of a, like, run pass balance, as opposed to, I'd say, maybe 60-40 typically when you look at the New Orleans Saints and what we've seen with Kamara versus what we saw in the years before Kamara came around. And I mentioned the ARCO Equipment Hotline. It is open, 337-706-0111, 337-706-0111. And now we got somebody on the ARCO Equipment Hotline. What's going on?
2: Yeah, it's a vibe, I, hey. think, I think the to see a of Latavius Murray and Josh Hill and step up and hit Michael Thomas out. And I, win that
1: game. I think they need him to step up. I'd have to agree with you, Ivan. Thanks for calling in. I think you need to have Latavius Murray and Josh Hill step up, especially Josh Hill. He needs to earn his paycheck because I feel like he is one of those guys that maybe at the end of the year you start looking at him critically and say, should he still be part of that roster? He has been a great blocking tight end, but when you need a guy like that to step up in a role like we've seen with, let's say, let's just put it out there. Jared Cook is more of a receiving tight end. Josh Hill works more as a blocking tight end, but he can get the job done when needed. He needs to step up in a huge way. In this ball game, Latavius Murray has shown himself to be serviceable in the last couple of ball games. He wound up looking really good against Jacksonville, but can that be sustained this time tomorrow when the when the Saints get ready for that big one in Chicago, up against a really good? Don't get me wrong, This is a really good defensive group. It's a battle of potentially backup quarterbacks. I haven't heard officially if. Mitchell Trubisky will be playing. He is listed as questionable, and he has been splitting reps all week with the Bears. But going back to my point, it's just the fact that you've got so many things not going right. It puts you in a mood, and I couldn't help but think about this last night when I was just kind of starting to put together the show during high school football. was, man, this is depressing seeing everything. It makes you just feel like I'm a Rob Gordon in high fidelity.
3: Hey, GSO. (laughs)
1: I'll <laughs> it, that all depends on what you're talking about, of course, talking about the genre of soul music. But it's just hilarious to me, the fact Like, I, I just felt that way when I saw, when I thought about it. Yet, Zion Williamson out for a few weeks on the basketball front. On the football front, you've got Alvin Kamara and you've got Jared Cook both out. Along with all the, the other usual suspects, you've got the usual suspects both out. But what's going to happen whenever these two teams face off on Sunday? Whenever you see the Saints and the Bears face off. I'd give the edge to the Saints on offense, but barely because of the fact I feel like Teddy Bridgewater has shown himself to be good enough to get them within field goal range and let Will let's handle the business. But without a guy like Jared Cook, who he had started building a lot more rapport with, now it's going to be Michael Thomas, and we know Mike Thomas is going to be in double coverage. The biggest thing of it all, that offensive line has to be damn near 100% on point. Because you know Khalil Mack is just going to be all over that thing if you let him get out in front. And it's going to be hard to do to be able to stop that guy. Because he has shown himself to be an absolute like nuisance on the field and off the field. He has shown himself to be an absolute nuisance. And he's going to cause a lot of havoc on that front line. It's we talk about it. What happened week one? J.J. Watt was shut down. Week two, Aaron Donald was kind of, he, he he left the game at one point due to hip injury, but he came back, and he brought a lot of pressure throughout. I mean, he was the guy who basically slapped hands with Drew Brees and injured his thumb, and now Drew Brees is basically hurrying up to get back healthy. And I was thinking about, it. this is a very, very much a long shot, but I thought about it last night. What if Drew Brees comes back next week? What if he comes back next week in the Saints Cardinals game? What if? He's, does, if he's like cleared and everything, does Drew Brees start or do they tell him, hey, like, sit back for a week. We got the bye week next week, so you can take a couple days off and we can figure out what's gonna happen, and we just move on from there. Because I think that's definitely the one thing you're talking about when it comes to the Saints. Does If Drew Brees is healthy this time next week, do you start him or do you wind up sticking with the guy who's gotten you to that 5-1 and one record, possibly 6-1, and one, because you know that it's going to be a low-scoring affair. But can the Saints, can the Lightning strike again? Because, of course, Everybody is kind of keying in on a lot of points in this game, and I feel like you're going to wind up seeing it be a low-scoring affair. The Saints will need to get something done in a hurry. But, of course, I'll give you an idea of what some of the players were saying this week, namely one, Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky, because I think that's the biggest storyline of them all is which one is going to start, and Mitch Trubisky talked about it earlier this week, saying the last few weeks have been tough for him.
3: I mean, stuff happens on the field, and uh, just not
1: being a, not being able to be out there with my guys hurts. But you try to help in any way you can, and then obviously i got to take care of business rehabbing and trying to get back to sh- show everyone I could uh, play. And one of the big things is, of course, he's been practicing. He's been splitting reps with Trubisky in practice, and the former New Orleans Saint talked about splitting those reps, and we're talking about, of course, Chase Daniel. Um, you know, for me, personally, I don't need a lot of reps to, to play. Obviously, I've shown that in my career. So, um, obviously, we'll go off how Mitch feels. Um, you know, he's he's feeling pretty good right now. So, in my opinion, I have to get ready to start uh, and then let the coaches make that decision once a week comes to an end. This is kind of breaking the fourth wall here, but whenever I'm getting sound on the air, like, I, I couldn't help but to laugh at this. It's weird. I don't know why people want to put – it's Chase Daniels. It's Chase Daniel. I don't know why it keeps popping up that way – when I'm downloading stuff, it's like, oh, "Hey, Chase Daniels." I'm like, "No, it's just Daniel. It's just the just the first name, not not with an S. It's weird. I don't know why this continually happens, but I absolutely love the fact they Chase Daniels is getting ample opportunity, but it's gonna be all gonna be about Trubisky and what he says to his coaches if he's not ready. Yeah, that's that's tough, especially for me being the competitor. Um, I think it's all about being smart and obviously trying to think long-term, trying to have the longest career as possible. But, I mean, I'm going to be honest with myself and everyone else uh, in this building that if I can go, I'm going to go, and then there's no restrictions, no holding back. You're on the field. Uh, Whether it's running, throwing, it it really doesn't matter. If I say I can go, then you you just got to go all out. And I would love to see Mitch Trubisky, see what he can wind up doing because, of course, he's a few weeks off of an injury. Chase Daniel has been able to manufacture some things, get things going in this year of the backup quarterback, which is something that I'm going to talk about until the cows come home because that's the craziest thing about the 2019 season for me is the backup quarterback scenarios. We just look at everything. Cam Newton, he's been out for what feels like six months now. Kyle Allen comes in and basically reinvents this entire franchise. Gives them that burst of energy necessary to get some wins on the board and turn that thing around because it was not looking good for those Carolina Panthers. I think it wasn't looking great for the NFC South in general. Dan Quinn is going to be on the hot seat this season, might be gone by the end of the year. Ron Rivera, he knows he's on the hot seat heading into this year, but he's turned things around. He's made that franchise a lot more viable with Kyle Allen in place. Does he wind up keeping that job? What's Cam Dudes 100%? Don't know. Teddy Bridgewater, another prime example. Gardner Minshew to a certain extent. He's gotten things done. He's looked good. He's looked solid as a rookie with the Jacksonville Jaguars after their guy gets hurt in the first game of the freaking year against the Kansas City Chiefs. And we're talking about Nick Foles. Like, like, how do you have that kind of luck to where you have a backup quarterback that can still be at least somewhat viable of an opponent? And now you got another backup quarterback opportunity for those Kansas City Chiefs. What's going to happen with that franchise without Pat Mahomes? Possibly until early December. How long is Pat Mahomes going to be out for? It shouldn't be that long. It's not like they're going to have to. It's not like he tore his ACL, but it's still going to be something to kind of keep an eye on. It is the year of the backup quarterback, and it's amazing, and I love that because guess what? It gets people talking a whole lot more than say us deep diving into the statistics and the minutiae of it all, I think that we see the backup quarterback become the biggest thing that everybody talks about when they look back at the 2019 season because of the fact that backup quarterbacks were still getting wins and getting it done right. And, of course, we also have a lot more quarterback controversy this year than most. I think the biggest one had to have been what happened with The Marcus Mariota situation. Mariota is now benched. You get Ryan Tannehill coming from Miami to be that guy, and Miami's trying to not tank, and they're failing miserably at it, and it's the best because they're still winless. But they got the Cincinnati Bengals who are also winless, and maybe just maybe we could have those two face off. I'm just saying, this is always a theory of mine. If you have two teams that are tied for the worst record in football and they didn't play each other in a regular season, have them play during wild card weekend and make that a tank bowl game. I would pay a good bit of money. Or better yet, get rid of the Pro Bowl and have those two teams phase off for the number one pick. That's how you do it. I'm gonna go ahead and take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with more. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadia in a sports station, 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com.
0: Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there.
4: You make your rules and we will break them.
0: Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Yeah. On 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com, live as always from the 237 Roof Studios. And my goodness, we got a lot to get to with our guy, Ross Jackson, All Saints Consider. He's aboard the ARCO Equipment Hotline right now. Because I'm saying it right now, this is going to be a wild game tomorrow night. Saints Bears 325 kickoff. Give you some info about what we got going on tomorrow. In just a little bit but like i said i've got ross jackson on the line right now ross what's going on brother
3: oh man you know just trying to get ready for this sunday i'm right with you man I think this is gonna be a wild one bro. i hope you've been doing well
1: i've been doing well man i've been doing well mind you i'm i'm good to go i mean i, I my, my ankle is fine my knee's fine but not exactly the same to say about alva camara and jared cook both out in this ball game on Sunday, that's the the thing that's making this game a lot more wild, a lot more harder to kind of predict at this point. What about you?
3: Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, you kind of looked at this game is being one of those ones to where you already kind of had no idea what was going to go on because you had two defenses that match up really well against a pair of offenses. Then all of a sudden for the Saints, not only are you missing out on Drew Brees, which of course we all expected at this point, but also Jared Cook and Alvin Kamara as well. Traquan Smith is also out. So this just kind of feels like a little bit of a bare-bones team that you're looking at when you've got Teddy Bridgewater, Michael Thomas, and then I guess the next guy after that would be either Ted Jr. or Latavius Murray. But it just feels a little bit – it feels a lot different than what we were expecting at the beginning of the season.
1: Oh, it really does feel a lot more different when you just look at everything, that how it sets up for the New Orleans Saints in this big ball game because it's against a team when you look at the Chicago Bears. They're pretty – much. at this point it feels like they're fighting to kind of establish themselves as still being one of those top dogs in the NFC North Division – with Khalil Mack but now you don't know who your starting quarterback is going to be as of right now of course because Trubisky's listed as questionable he's been splitting reps all week with Chase Daniel that brings another challenge to the Saints defense and scouting for either one of those guys mind you you have a whole lot more personal film on a guy like Chase Daniel versus a guy like Trubisky only in a second season but it it brings up another interesting challenge for the defensive side of the football
3: yeah absolutely I mean it's tough, right, because you kind of feel like you're in a position – it's a lot. It's a little bit different, but it's kind of the position that the Saints tried to put the Seahawks in the second week or the third week of the season, where they kind of went, "Well, we don't know who's going to start. Is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Or is it going to be Drew Brees? And I'm sorry, is it going to be Teddy Bridgewater? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? And then now for the Saints, you're sort of having a plan for two completely really different styles when it comes down to Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel. Mitch Trubisky, somebody that's very comfortable throwing on the run, might not be so at the moment with his left arm, with the left shoulder injury. And then Chase Daniel, somebody that the Saints know very well, as he's You know, been been with the team on and off over the last few years, and so, and and very recently, and so with that being the case, you sort of prepare two different ways for those two quarterbacks. But all told, I think that this is going to be one of those matchups that the Saints' defense is going to really thrive on. Um, Not much of a run game in Chicago. uh, Just over fifty yards per game on the ground. Not much of a passing game there. You've not much of an offense really going on there. They're 30th in the passing game, 30th in in, uh, in total yards altogether. And they're 29th in scoring. They're pretty low in scoring, just over 17 points per game. So it's a nice matchup for the Saints defense. The big hurdle here is going to be can the offense get out to enough of a lead at some point to allow the defense to hold on to it, or can, or can you keep Chicago's offense from getting out to a nice lead? To keep them from, you know, feeling comfortable with their defense holding onto their lead as well.
1: It's definitely going to be reminiscent of what we saw just last week between the Saints and the Jaguars, because it felt like it was more mm-hmm. the same with Minshew Mania. You're able to keep him in check. Can they do the same against them on the defensive side of the football? But I agree with you. I think more importantly, what's going to happen with that offensive side of the football? Will it revert back to pre-Alvin Kamara, or will Sean Payton have to kind of work over time in his mind to try and figure out a way? to make this offense work to where you still have that balance rather than what we saw pre-Alvin Kamara where it felt like a a lot of the time it was 75% pass and 25% run in terms of the balance of plays.
3: Yeah, I mean, certainly the absence of Akeem Hicks along that Bears defensive line helps uh and Latavius Murray somebody that can run up the middle six uh what six three, two twenty. He's somebody you can run up the middle and you can take advantage of that. The Raiders certainly did that the week before last when they played against the Bears and beat the Bears in London. Uh you can expect Sean Payton to game plan to the opposite side of the field, try to game plan away from Khalil Mack to try to you can't really neutralize Khalil Mack, but you can try to at least get away from him quickly by play design. And then the rest of this game kind of comes down to uh Whatever it is that the Saints offense can do in order to you know get the ball down the field, and if it goes back if that means going back to ten yards here ten yards there to Michael Thomas, then you absolutely do that. Michael Thomas right now is counting for forty four percent just over forty four percent of all the receiving yards for the Saints, so it's much the same se- much the same situation that you saw last season to where he is the volume of the Saints offense of the Saints passing game. he leads the league right now in that chair amongst his team and so with that being the case you're just going to really look to see what you can what you can get done on the ground and you know you can use those short passes as a means of doing that screen passes as well and then really you just kind of hope that teddy bridgewater and michael thomas can take advantage of the matchups that they're going to see i mean look the bears have a very good secondary they can take the ball away but can they match it with michael thomas it was a little bit tougher when you had you know a traquan smith that could go out there and cause some distraction when you had a uh, a Jerry Cook that could go out there and, and gather some attention as well. It's gonna be a little bit easier now that those guys aren't in the game for the Bears defense. But if Michael Thomas is able to make something happen and he's able to, you know, pick up a cup, pick up those big chunky yards every now and then, or is able to work with Teddy Bridgewater to meticulously move the ball down the field with the help of guys like Josh Hill, you're gonna go Taysom Hill in there. Ted Ginn Jr. still in this game as well as a good deep threat, and so. If they're able to do that and if they're able to move the ball early, then that's going to help them and their defense be able to hold out throughout this game. I think, honestly, the first 15 scripted plays that Sean Payton draws up, who I truly believe is having a blast right now is <laughs> oh, trying yeah. to figure all of this out, you know what I mean? Uh, but those first 15 plays might be some of the most important plays that we see in this game.
1: I you can to imagine he's having a lot of fun trying to figure out each and every week. It, it's almost like basically you're seeing – Sean Payton do the equivalent of football improv because you're trying to figure yep. out who you're going to work <laughs> with from week to week. And it just, it's, it's just wild to see everything that's happened. They've had to sign. he like, uh, me and the guy I do the afternoons with him. Ben love. We were talking about this on the air is mm-hmm. like a couple weeks ago. Who's the third running back, honestly, because it, it was hard to kind of look at the roster and be like, who's the third running back besides Kamara Murray and like who else? Who's the third guy that we see Zach Zinner, has been signed up to kind of add some depth, but do we see him at all in Sunday's matchup?
3: Yeah, I think if you're going to see another running, if you see at all another running back get mixed in with Latavius Murray, which I think you will, I mean, that's kind of, just been what the Saints do that it would be Zach Center and then they would maintain uh, Dwayne Washington as somebody that continues to contribute on special teams I like what Dwayne Washington does I would not be upset with seeing him get involved a little bit in the offense as well we have seen it in the regular season before usually in blowouts but we've seen it um, I think either one of those guys you might see you know a handful of of touches but it's mostly I think going to be focus to Latavius Murray. And then, uh, you look, the Saints last week played only 53% of the time on the field. I'm sorry, 58% of the time on the field with three wide receivers. The rest of the game, they sat with two wide receivers and then either two running backs or two tight ends or both. And so they were loading up uh, in their backfield on the line or in the backfield to help with the run game, to help with the pass rush. I expect you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of Zach Line on the field. You're going to see a lot of Latavius Murray, two tight ends. They went and signed Brian Parker this week. I expect that you'll see him. I think they signed Brian Parker as opposed to elevating uh, Dan Arnold because they wanted somebody with a little bit more of a blocking prowess and more blocking to his game. So I think you're going to see a little bit more, and you, you said this as well, a little bit more of the game plan that you saw in Jacksonville in terms of bracing for pressure, bracing for the run game, and then seeing what they can create out of a successful run game if they can get one going.
1: And they have to try and get that run game going. Talking right now with Ross Jackson, All Saints considered in the Locked On Saints podcast, because I think it's safe to say when you look at what's going on with the Chicago Bears defense, it's all going to revolve around one man, and that is Khalil Mack. And I think you're going to have to see a performance from that offensive line, a lot of like what you saw in week one, where they were mm-hmm. able to hold J.J. Watt to no stats at all. You're to try and hold that man down. That's going to be pretty hard to do.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen this offensive line now be successful against those likes. You know, like Shaquille Barrett looked like a monster coming into that game against Tampa Bay, and he had a tackle. Uh, they did a really good job against J.J. Waters. you mentioned. They did great against JV and Clowney as well. So they've neutralized some of these elite pass rushers before. Now, Khalil Mack is above all of that. <laughs> Khalil Mack is well above all of that. And there are some other threats around there, too, with Leonard Floyd, uh, with Roquan Smith. So, you know, they have to be aware of some of those other guys on the field too, but you have to imagine that they're going to specifically focus in on how they can try to minimize the effect of Khalil Mack, which is not an easy task to do, but it's not something that you have to completely wipe him away from the game. You don't have to get him to a point where he has no stats. You just have to keep him from affecting the game at important moments, and if you can do that, then you put yourself in a good position.
1: And Ross, we'll kind of flip things over more on a couple lighter side things before, before I let you go. And this kind of came out earlier today for the second straight week, the saints will be rocking the all white, not the color rush, but the all white unis, white jerseys, white pants. Are we starting to see the gold pants from, from yesterday year be sort of be phased out?
3: Well, you know, I mean, we're seeing a lot of it on Twitter. where People people do not like the gold pants. I personally don't mind the gold pants, and maybe maybe that's blasphemy. I haven't figured it out yet. But I personally don't mind the gold pants. But I think that, look, the Saints love that color rush look. And because they're limited in terms of how often they can use the color rush look unless they were to change the color rush to their primary look, which I don't think we're going to see happen. But um, it, I think that they love that color rush look a lot. And so this is an opportunity for them to create – a uniform combination that's reminiscent of that. I love the selection of the color rush. I'm sorry, the all-white jerseys, the non-color rush, all-white jerseys for the Saints against Jacksonville because they look almost identical to Jacksonville's color rush jerseys. So I thought that that was just really petty, and I enjoyed that. (laughs) Um, Now seeing them come back and then bring those out again in another away game against Chicago. Uh, Look, I I like the new jerseys. I like the look, but I don't mind seeing the gold, gold pants come back every now and then, you know?
1: And I agree with you, Ross. I think we need to bring these back at least every now and again. But, you know, we'll flip things over because I have a buddy of mine who's going to the Arizona Cardinals game next Sunday. And it's going to be around Halloween time, and he's trying to come up with some signs. So I, w- I want you to get a little creative here and try to come up with a couple Halloween pun-related signs. He's got sack lantern and Teddy Kruger as two of his choices. So I want I want you to kind of pitch a couple right now.
3: Oh, wow. Um, let me see what I can think up here. Um... I want to come up with something Alvin Kamara related, uh, of course. Maybe, what was the first one that you said?
1: A uh, sacko lantern. is just going to be the defensive line, and then the, then Teddy okay. Krueger is the other one.
3: You obviously can't do this one with sacko lantern, but you can do Kamara lantern as well. I like that. And you can make like a little like a little jack o' lantern with Alvin Kamara's face. You could do a Kamara lantern.
1: Put a little bull ring in the middle of it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Get to make sure it's rocking all the swag of yes. Alvin
3: um, uh And then let me see if I can come up with something else here, too. Um, maybe something else. Hmm, maybe something else Michael Thomas related that I would like to see. CGM, Can't Guard Mike, uh, maybe like a Can't Scare Mike. Oh, I don't know, man. I can't come up with another good one. Can- I like the Kamara Lantern one a lot, though.
1: Can't scare Mike ain't have bad either, but again, I feel like he he got the two biggest ones out of the way. Teddy Krueger, which by the way, I feel like is going to become like your Twitter name before long. Now that I've mentioned it a couple of times.
3: Oh yeah, don't don't
1: don't no doubt no doubt. <laughs> Especially his, <laughs> <laughs> Ross, thanks so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week.
3: Oh, absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Have a good one. Enjoy the week.
1: Well, I will enjoy the week. Because hey, we got an extra half hour of the show coming up. But that was Ross Jackson. All Saints considered locked on Saints podcast. Try our hardest to get a couple more suggestions for the signs to rock. I would love to see the Sacco lantern and the and the, uh, the Camaro lantern. Lantern. I mean, this is this is hard. I'm, I'm gonna, have to, we're gonna try and figure these out before too long. But Teddy Krueger is probably my absolute favorite. We're gonna take a quick timeout on the floor. And we'll come back with a whole lot more because we're nearing the end of hour number two. But guess what? We got an extra half hour. It's a supersized edition of Under the Dome. Next on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 Game and 1037Game.com.
0: Bring a a Sports Station One, Oh, Most sports radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher.
3: Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little loud? These go to 11.
0: Now, back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on of Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7inthegame.com. Typically, I'm wrapping up the show around this time, but I've got enough time to kind of fill another half hour. That's right. It's a super-sized edition of Under the Dome with CD. And guess what? We got you covered when it comes to the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros coming up today. Because that's, that's the best part about all this is the fact that we're talking about the... New Orleans, the, the LSU Tigers, and the Houston Astros both kind of almost back-to-back, even though I feel like they're going to be very much a back-to-back type situation because I feel like the LSU game could be going until 6, and then 6.30 is the pregame, 7 o'clock first pitch. So odds are you'll be going from a little bit of the postgame straight into Astro launch right here on of the game. So trust me, a lot of things going on. Try and keep up with the pace and I feel like this is probably one of the best times a year to be a fan of 103 the game period, because guess what? we got high school football on Fridays, Saturdays. As of late, we've had Astros and LSU Sunday. We've had NFL and Astros the last couple weeks, and if this game goes to game seven, we'll have it again tomorrow. Trust me, there's so much sports. We don't know where to put it all. And it's amazing. I absolutely love the fact that we're at this point of the year where we're able to kind of do it all and give you everything imaginable and let you have fun looking at it all. But hopefully you're enjoying your Saturday afternoon right here on 103.7 Game Live, as always, from the 237 Roof Studios. But you know what? I want to kind of take it back to this past Thursday. The Cajuns get a big win over Arkansas State. I talked about a little bit earlier this week or last week, I should say, about how the Cajuns weren't quite there, at least not yet, in terms of beating the big dog that is App State. Troy, I, I talked about it with Steve. 9-3 and three feels like a distinct possibility for the Cajuns. I talked, I said at the beginning of the year, 9-3 and three was where I had the Cajuns. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that we've seen them play a lot of these teams very close before. But I feel like year two hundred billion APR year with all the talent that was coming back and also all the talent that was in place. I think that the conversation can turn to nine and three, and now you're wondering where are you gonna go? And it's not like oh hey you're not just destined to be the runner up playing in the Cure Bowl, because of course if App State keeps playing the way they've been playing and not lose and they don't feel i don't think they're going to wind up losing a game the rest of the way. I mean, we look at App State's rest of the schedule. They've got Gilman Monroe tonight at or today at 2:30. You've got South Alabama, App Georgia Southern, South Carolina, Georgia State, Texas State and Troy. Troy is probably the one they could wind up losing. And then you've got South Carolina, that could that's probably going to be a win, even though they are riding high. I feel like that's a win for the Mountaineers over South Carolina. South Alabama is a win. Uoman Monroe likely a win. Georgia Southern likely a win. South Alabama especially, that's a, that's a win, definitely. Georgia State probably going to be a win. Georgia State, I haven't seen a whole lot of them to kind of say, hey, it's one way or the other. Texas State. Expect that to be a win. Troy's the one right now where you, you wind up seeing them lose. But even then, you look at the App State Mountaineers' record at this point in time. They are, in a word, impressive in the Sun Belt Conference. They're currently 5-0 and o on the year. 5-0 and o on the year. And they can have just one loss on their record. I think they can go to a lot higher than, New, than the New Orleans Bowl because of the fact that they could win sub conference championship outright in that championship game and still only have that one blemish on their record. I think even with two losses on their record, they could go to a very highly touted bowl game instead of just basically win the championship and pass go, collect $200 and play in the New Orleans Bowl and win that one and the Cajuns go to the Cure Bowl. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but the Cajuns, as of late, have been playing at a very, very high level and they're still in control of their own destiny. The only team really standing in their own way is Troy, but more importantly, it's Ewell Monroe currently leading the conference, and more importantly, that's the Western Division game that could determine who wins the West. And who would have saw that coming? Instead the fact that the that the Warhawks currently are three and three on the year. I don't, I certainly did not see that coming. The Cajuns have a chance to get things done. They need to capitalize on a lot of the opportunities that are presented towards him. Hour number two, it's in the books, and we've got a half hour to go. We're going into overtime mode. We're going into overdrive. We'll talk a little bit or a lot about what's going on later on today with LSU Mississippi State. I'll give you some keys to the victory, give you my prediction, what's going to happen with LSU's offense, and then i also have one last take for you to end up in the show and I'll bring you back to what I was talking about at 10 o'clock hour about the Bourbon Street Blues. Arco Equipment highlight open the rest of the way. 337 706 0111. 337 706 0111. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one numero uno sports station. 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com. Hour number three coming up in just a few minutes.
0: This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 237 Roof Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037
3: The Game. Streaming
0: live on 1037TheGame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side and get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. It's an overtime edition of Under the Dome with CD, and I am feeling good on a Saturday afternoon. Hopefully you are as well getting closer to the pregame show, getting started for the LSU Tigers right here on 103.7 The Game. But let me talk to you about what's causing all this and of course we're talking about those LSU Tigers we're broadcasting live as always from the 237 roof studios presented by Lafayette Roofing and if you want to call us up call us up 337-706-0111 that's how you get in on the conversation and of course everybody wants to know about what I think about LSU Mississippi State it's going to be a fun one later on today when those two teams face off but it's going to be a one-sided affair. Spoiler alerts abound here. I'm telling you what's going to happen. First things first, I think we see the LSU Tigers get out in front early and often they fire off early. Largely because of the fact that I've seen LSU's offense perform a lot over the last couple of weeks at a very high level. Me and Ben talk about this a lot, that maybe, just maybe, this team turns it around. This team finally finds that magic moment, and they wind up winning in a big way. I took the over on everything involving LSU, and I say that Mississippi State isn't going to get much done, largely because it's a inexperienced quarterback getting the start for the Mississippi State Bulldogs and Garrett Schrader, a freshman. He is going to be kind of handcuffed throughout. Garrett Schrader is going to be a guy that's not going to get a whole lot done for that Mississippi State offense. The defensive side of the football, they allowed, they kept it competitive to open up the season against the Cajuns, but beyond that, they haven't done a whole lot to prove it to me. Last week, this team beat, lost to Tennessee. Lost to Tennessee freaking c You heard me right. They lost to Tennessee in Tennessee. How in the blue hell can you be taken seriously if you're Mississippi State, right here, right now, you cannot. I'm telling you right now, you cannot be taken seriously. If you're LS, if you're Mississippi State, and you lost to Tennessee, or any team, be taken seriously. If you lose to Tenna C, trust me, Alabama's about to put up a fifty burger on those cats later on today. But I'm telling you right here, right now, Mississippi State is getting their behind handed to them. You hearing it right now? I think Joe Burrow's going to go off. He'll be pulled around the fourth quarter. It'll be well at hand, and you'll be seeing Joe Burrow's Heisman stock and draft stock continue and continue to rise as you get closer to it. It's going to be a big ball game next Saturday in in Baton Rouge against Auburn, but I'm not here to tell you about that. I'm here to tell you that you need to keep an eye on the run game because I wouldn't be surprised if in the fourth quarter – Miles Brennan maybe throws one or two passes, and that run game starts padding those stats because I think that's going to be the way this game goes. LSU's offense is going to be very pass-happy with Joe Burrow in there because of the fact that they know they can establish dominance, especially early on in the ballgame. It's going to be fun, to say the least, between those two. Meanwhile, i got to say, the... (laughs) The, everybody, everybody's kind of talking about what's going on with the Arkansas Razorbacks and the Auburn Tigers right now. That's going on. Auburn already up 17-zip in the second quarter. Right here, right now, they are – it's going to be weird to see the SEC next year because I talked about a lot heading into SEC media days this year. A lot more kind of consistency, not as much fluidity as we've seen in the past because we started to see more of these guys stick around. That's going to change this year. That's going to change a lot this year. and I'll give you the guys that I think are going to be gone by the end of the year, if not earlier. You've got starting things off Ole Miss, Matt Luke, Mississippi State, Joe Moran. Joe Moran's out the door, I feel like. And it's largely because of the fact he's going to get another job that's a little easier for him to handle. You don't have to deal with the pressures of being an SEC SEC school. You're going to go over to Rutgers and probably continually get six and six, seven and five years on occasion, and you look good. You look good, and you're able to keep that job for a lot longer of a time frame. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction he goes going forward. That being said, I think another team in Arkansas is gonna be without their head coach. I think Chad Morris has run out his welcome. They haven't been able to capitalize on getting solid recruiting classes year in and year out. Arkansas football is in the dumps. There needs to be a complete overhaul of that program if they want to at least somewhat get back into relevance and actually win some freaking ball games. Currently 2-4 and in the year, likely going to be 2-5 and five after losing to the Auburn Tigers. And that's a, that's a win on everybody's schedule. You just look at that, Arkansas, that's, that's a win. That's not where Arkansas wants to be. And Arkansas is going to stay there for a while. But Chad Morris is going to be gone, and I think like they're going to wind up changing a lot of things to make sure they do not continue this downward spiral. Meanwhile, Vanderbilt is another head coaching position that's going to be opened up just in the SEC itself. And I like Derek Mason; nothing but respect for the guy. But Derek Mason has got to go. At one point, you got to realize that maybe, just maybe, this isn't working out. It's like a relationship. At one point in the relationship you find out whether or not this works or not. You have already already defined the relationship. You've already kind of determined where we're at. But eventually you see the exit. You see the exit ramp. You see a point where you're going to part ways with that person. I think this is an instance where you're going to part ways with one man and one man only, and that is Derek Mason. He is out the door, in my opinion, before too long, largely because of the fact that I've – He's underwhelmed. He is underwhelmed as a head coach at Vanderbilt. And Vandy is a baseball school. Vandy is a baseball school, and even then, I feel like Derek Mason wants this team, this program, to be considered one of the elite. The, the elite. And I can tell you right now, they are nowhere near being even, like, third tier in the SEC. And the way it's looking right now, he's going to be at the bottom of the tier, and if this were the Premier League, it'd be a lot of relegation for that program instead of promotion. They'd be in relegation mode, which is something that I'm always going to be in favor of, having relegation be a thing in American sports. It's something I would love to see, but odds are it'll likely never happen. Looking over at my other screens going on right now, Oklahoma's dominating West Virginia right now 21-7. to seven. Definitely something to keep an eye on, but of course everybody's going to be looking at 230 and the big one, LSU-Mississippi State, but we're all just kind of looking forward to what's going to happen over the next couple weeks with that Auburn game because we know Auburn is going to be up for it after what happened last year. The And it's always a wild game. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. <clears throat> this next week's game is going to be the hardest to predict out of all of them. And a big reason why is the fact that Auburn continually is a pain in LSU's side. We saw it last year. LSU won the walk-off field goal by the great Colt Tracy, who somehow was not drafted by the XFL in their draft this week. I had not seen that if, if he got drafted or not, but he should be anybody who didn't draft him should be ashamed. That being said, I'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen for the LSU Tigers this time next week when they take on Auburn. In Tiger Stadium. Because you know that thing is going to be wild as hell. You know Bo Nix is going to be more than up to it. He's going to try and Bow leave it into existence and get things done. I'm interested in a lot of different matchups this week in the SEC. But next week is where things are going to start to matter. Because if LSU can get it done against Auburn and more importantly not get people suspended for the first half due to targeting. Looking at the referees on that one. Before they take on the... Alabama Crimson Tide in T-Town, and everybody's going to be talking about it. And I, I mentioned a lot with um, uh, Steve Lassen about the fact that three out of the next four weeks could likely be a 2.30 kickoff. 2.30 kickoffs for the next three weeks. Glenn gelbo has been pounding that storyline into the ground, and I have no problem with it because guess what? It's something worth mentioning. What's going to happen with the LSU-Alabama game In just a few weeks' time, what's going to happen there? I'll tell you what's going to happen there. You're going to have LSU Alabama be a 230 game, and I don't see a damn problem with it. You know why? Because I am kind of getting tired of the of it being built up as the biggest thing. It's built up like it's the Super Bowl. It's a SEC. It's a CFP quarterfinal matchup. Yes, you heard me right. It's a it's a CFP playing game. You win that one, you get to the Dollars football playoff almost automatically. The rest of your schedule relatively easy. I don't like the idea of continually, I think like we're just continually arguing on end about the fact that LSU Alabama should always be at night. I don't think so. It shouldn't be at night every single year. If you have to have it be a 2.30 game, so be it. It'll never be an 11 a.m. game but I don't mind it being a 2.30 afternoon game in November. I'm okay with that, but I feel like there's a lot of people, especially in this area, that want to see this continually be a night game. Guess what? It can't always be a night game. There's always these different situations, and Georgia-Notre Dame was something that, honestly, I love the fact that they did that because guess what? Georgia-Notre Dame, those are two established brands, especially when you look at Notre Dame. That one is a established brand, and it was a damn good ball game. Don't get me wrong, but I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple weeks when LSU, Alabama, in November, November ninth. It seems like it'd be two thirty, but we haven't heard anything official, at least not yet. Outside of that, I'm just looking forward to a great weekend of college football. Hopefully, you are as well. But I'm gonna flip it on over in the next segment. Give you one. Final take before I get up on out of here. But hey, guess what? The article quote and hotline still open. 337 706 0111. That's 337 706 0111. Back with more after this on 1037 The Game.
0: The famous CD is a five tool player of sports talk. He can talk about a lot of different things, even some soccer. Fuel Manchester United, of
2: Sing the Manchester United song.
0: Okay, maybe not soccer. Back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game.
1: Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station. 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com live from the 237 Roof Studios. As always, getting ready to wrap up a fantastic edition of Under the Dome, a super sized edition of Under the Dome, and I'm just absolutely loving the fact that I got an extra half hour for like the next like three shows. Trust me, it's not not complaining at all. I'm absolutely loving it. I'm saying three out of the next four shows because, of course, we don't know officially about LSU Bama, but you would think that everything stays relatively the same. That was something I talked about a little bit earlier. But some weird stuff just happened if you wanted to know about the Oklahoma game. Apparently, this is, I just saw this pop up. The Sooner Schooner, while I'm kind of a little eating it, and it's just there's a gif of, of it online. And I was just in complete shock. Like, wait, wait, what? That actually happened? Somebody fell off that thing? It's unreal to see what was going on with that. But of course, hopefully, you have a great Saturday. We're getting you ready, getting you that much closer to the pregame show for LSU and Mississippi State, and then also the. Astros game later on tonight. Trust me, if there's one day just to keep your radio on, dialed in 1037 the game today is that day. Largely because you have two live sporting events. you got the LSU game and then after that you have the Astros. There's no reason why you shouldn't be listening into 1037 the game all day long because trust me, there's a lot of things that you can talk about and I'm looking forward to getting to it all in the next few weeks. Because obviously next week we'll have the World Series going on. Astros hopefully, fingers and toes crossed here, they don't go Golden State Warriors and blow a 3-1 lead. Because that would be incredibly frustrating for me as an Astros fan and just a baseball fan in general. I'll admit this. I don't think I've ever admitted this on the air before. I've talked about how I might hate the Atlanta Braves largely because I just grew up around it. And I just could not stand the fact that I was the only thing Choice I had growing up because back then all he had was a super station. The superstation was the only thing that we watched. And of course, we'd catch the Astros games from time to time, but we'd have to go there. Then you had Fox Sports having Astros games, and that changed everything. That was a game changer. We finally had more than just the Bravos. But I hate the New York Yankees, unlike any other team. I am I, I've always just never liked them. And a big reason why. It's just because of the fact they just kept winning, it's a like, lot like, like nowadays. A lot of people hate those New York Yankees. They they're not a fan of those Yankees. And by the way, those Yankees they're back in Houston, and George Costanza is probably rolling his eyes the fact that those Yankees are heading over to Houston after him saying they're not going to Houston as long as those guys are running things. But I like twenty five years ago, so it's safe to say the ownership in the fictional world of Seinfeld is way different than what it is nowadays. Even though I feel like now the Astros are poised to do it again, take it back, and take back that AL pennant, which we've still got the AL pennant lying around inside the 237 Roof Studios presented by Lafayette Roofing from two years ago. If if they win the World Series, I'm just replacing that with a World Series champion flag inside the 237 Roof Studios because it needs to happen. But I promise you one final take, and I'm going to give that thing to you, and I'm going to bring up what I was talking about earlier with some Bourbon Street Blues.
0: Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one? Or is it going to be the one that he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in
1: and find out. But one last take, it's all about what's going on in New Orleans. And trust me, there's, there could be a lot of bad vibes come Monday in New Orleans, especially here in the Acadiana area, because you got to think about it. You've got Zion Williamson out for a few weeks. You've got Drew Brees out for at least one, one or two more weeks before the big one in November. And then you obviously have also got a couple more big games. You've got, you got Zion Williamson, you had got Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, Trey, Hendr- Trey Hendrickson, Trey Kwan Smith. And you're sitting here like, what is going on? When is this all going to stop? When are we just going to continue? When are we going to stop having things hold us back from being great? Because we talk about all the time, why aren't we great yet? Why aren't we poised to be one of the greatest teams of all time why why isn't new orleans or the state of louisiana getting nearly as much love as say an alabama program or anybody else like you can just fill in the blank and i think a lot of it has to do with just the fact things don't necessarily always work out the way you want them to i would love 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 to see the LSU daggers win the national title it seems more likely than not this year than any other year i would love to see saints win the Super Bowl. Again, and this is, some, this is from somebody who originally, my take was, hey, they won a Super Bowl. I'm more than happy about it, but now that I know they're closer to it now than ever, I want to see it again. I want to see them make another Super Bowl run before Drew Brees' as time runs out. I think they got every chance to do so. Right now, they're poised to get that bye week. If the season ended today, they'd probably be in control of their own destiny with that one blemish on their record being the Rams game. The fact that the Rams have lost a couple games in a row, could could that keep going? But still, you're going to want to feeling some Bourbon Street Blues come Monday because you finally realize that maybe just maybe things aren't working out the way we want them to. And you're going to feel a little bit of, of funk on Monday. And trust me, that Bourbon Street Blues, it's completely understandable because I'm starting to feel it too because I'm just thinking about it. What would happen without Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook in that offense? What's going to happen when all those guys aren't there anymore? And that's not even bringing up Mike Thomas and the amount of money you paid him, having to pay Alvin Kamara, having to pay Teddy Bridgewater because he's only got a one-year contract, having to start making negotiations negotiations for those guys. How much more money do you have to spread around to get these guys in there to continue to have a sustainable run as a power in the NFC? Is it feels like things could be going off the rails sooner rather than later because of the amount of money that is being thrown around. I could be completely wrong, but right here, right now, not exactly a fan of what we're seeing. And maybe just maybe we'll feel some Bourbon Street blues come Monday. That's about all the time I got for today's show. Hopefully you enjoyed it just as much as I did bringing it to you. Thanks a lot once again, as always, to Ross Jackson, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, both those guys phenomenal conversations about college football saints and maybe just maybe some uh, halloween puns but we'll talk about that another day we'll be back with you next week with another extended edition of under the dome with cd on acadian a sports station we got the lsu pregame show coming up in just a couple of minutes i'll talk to you next saturday peace